But it's a real pleasure to be able to come to you today. I'm always excited about getting an opportunity to, to, to tell others what Jesus has done in my life. And um, um, I say that I've been to churches and spoke. I, I'll speak to someone at the Cracker Barrel. I'll speak to someone on the street, wherever, you know, wherever I am. And someone asks me, well, could I ask what happened to you? And I usually try to always tie that into, I want to tell you what really happened to me the day I met Jesus. But um, um, I grew up in Brunswick, played high school football, loved, loved sports. You know, back back in the 70s, kids were outside. You know, we were playing softball, baseball, football, bicycles. You know, we, we hardly ever spent any time inside. And... Um, after I graduated from uh, Brunswick High School, I'd gotten a couple jobs. Then I got a job on the railroad. I and uh, driving spikes on the railroad all day and carrying cross ties and doing brutal work. I was six feet four, two hundred twenty-five pounds. I was in the best shape of my life. I could actually, uh, when they would hire new guys driving them spikes on the railroad, I would clown around. I could take that hammer with one arm and drive those spikes and. Those guys were amazed, you know, how I could swing that hammer. And three months before that, I'd never picked up one. I was actually, I was, I, my father taught me to be a hard worker. When you do whatever job it is, do your best. And I always had that instilled in me. Within a three-month period, I was actually a boss on the railroad, just over some guys uh, laying rail. We were laying ribbon rail and laying cross ties, putting down new new rail. On July the 19th of 1978 at 11.30 a.m., getting ready to take my lunch break, my life changed, changed dramatically. Um, we were working with this crane, this six-ton crane, Pettibone crane, and we were uh, done this one job, and we were going to move up the tracks about 100 yards and the guy told me to jump on the crane. We'll just ride up. And I said, now nah, walk up. I want to go get some water. He said, no, jump on with me. So I jumped on the crane. We were just creeping up the tracks. We weren't going fast at all. And uh, the thing I was sitting on actually swiveled. It was this, this crane could either ride on the tracks with, tra- with train wheels or it could be lifted up and ride on the rubber wheels. Well, we were riding on the rubber wheels. And the axle was lifted up. That's what we were sitting on, on the front. And I always tell young people, be careful when you're doing work in construction work. I had no business being on that crane where I was sitting. It only takes a fraction of a second for your life to change like mine, working around heavy equipment. So I encourage you to be careful if you get a construction job. And But anyway, I just mentioned to the guy... Beside of me, I said, you know, I don't know if this is a very good seat because if this thing swivels, I could, you know, throw us up under this machine. And the guy driving couldn't even see me. And before I got all that out, this this thing swiveled. The other guy was able to get off and never was able to talk to him. I went up under this six-ton crane. I tried to lay down because there was about that much space under there. I tried to lay back. I wasn't able to, and it pushed my head down between my legs. And then the weight of the crane rolled up over my back and crushed me. And, man, I just felt every breath in my body being crushed. If it was just a little bit 
less space, it would crush me just like a bug. But but I heard my back snap when the crane ran over my back. I heard my back snap just like a green stick, and I yelled. And um, I, I was laying under the crane. The crane was still moving. He didn't see me fall under there. So my thought was when I fell backwards from the first axle went over me, I rolled over, and I was trying to crawl out from under the crane. And I tried to crawl out, and then the back wheels almost ran over me, but he stopped. Someone hollered to tell him to stop, that I was underneath the crane. I remember laying on the ground, thinking, wow, I've got myself injured really bad. I don't know if I'm going to live or die laying here on these tracks. And all the men were gathered around me. And uh, there were two things that came to my mind. You see, when life gets down to, am I going to live or die? There's only two things that's really important. One is, I didn't know God. I was ra- I, I was raised off and on in a Pentecostal church. I knew enough about church to know that I was not ready. I was drinking and drugging and doing all the stuff that young people, a lot of young people did at that time. I knew I wasn't ready. Where am I going to spend my eternity if I die here on these tracks? The other is my mom and dad. I thought about my mom and dad. They had been through so much because my brother, Denny, that comes here in a scooter, he was born with cerebral palsy. And now I was injured. And I was always the son that helped them out a lot. And I was thinking about all these things. And by then, the, the helicopter landed on the tracks. They flew me to shock trauma. And the doctor told me, he said, Brad, we're going to operate on you. You've broken your back at T12L1 level, which is the lower part of my back. He said, you snapped your back. He goes, I can't believe you're not, I don't believe you have any other injuries, which is really incredible. You're telling me you got run over by a six-ton crane. By the grace of God, believe it or not, that, that really was incredible that that's all that happened to me, which was plenty. Being paralyzed from the waist down, I lost my feeling in my legs. And as I was laying there on the tracks, I told him I can't feel my legs anymore. But in shock trauma, the doctor said, we can operate on you, Brett. We can put a Harrington rod in your back, but we can't, we can't fix your spinal cord. He said, you got about a one in a million chance of ever walking again. I said, I'll be that one. But as you can see, I wasn't one of those fortunate to walk out of that hospital. So, but while in the hospital, I remember one day vividly, I'm looking forward to one day in heaven meeting this nurse. This nurse came in and she was my nurse for the day. She started talking to me. We got to talking and, and, and somehow the subject came up about the Lord. I can't remember if I brought it up or she did. And, and she said, wait a minute, I'll be right back. And she went and got her Bible. She gets her Bible. She pulls the curtain around me. She said, I'm sorry. The reason why I'm pulling the curtain around you, because if I get caught reading you the Bible, I could lose my job. I'm in danger of losing my job. But she said, your salvation to me is more important than my job. And wow, that blew me out of the water thinking, ma'am, I don't, I don't want you to. She said, no, that's all right. I, would, I, really, want to, I really want to share about Christ for you. So she sat there and, 
and read scriptures about salvation, how I could be saved. And, and, and after she got done, I just panicked and I said, no, no, I, no, I'm not ready to do that. You know, I'm not ready to do that. Well, I went home. I went to rehab for four months in Good Samaritan Hospital, learned how to dress myself, learned how to do everything, transfer into a bed, everything. I had to learn almost everything all over again. But while in there, I really learned a valuable lesson that I still have in my hands because I met guys in there, they're paralyzed from the neck down, and they couldn't feed themselves, they couldn't do roll over in bed by themselves, couldn't get out of bed, couldn't get dressed. I, I came out of there very thankful that I at least have my arms, which makes a valuable difference when someone being a quadriplegic, four limbs, or being a paraplegic. So coming home, I was in, in, in Good Samaritan, I was around guys in wheelchairs, and everything was accessible, and everybody's encouraging me, and it was great. But man, when I came home, man, I sunk into reality of being in a wheelchair. I ran into people on the street. They cringed when they saw me for the first time in a wheelchair. They didn't know how to react to me. I didn't know how to react to them. It was so uncomfortable. Some of my friends didn't come around. They just couldn't deal with me being paralyzed and being in a wheelchair. It was a very, very difficult time. Well, I told you I was doing drugs and alcohol. Well, that got, that increased a great deal because I was trying to mask the pain and, and the, and the, and just the, my life turned upside down, you know, and, and I had too, way too much time on my hands. Then I wasn't, didn't have a job. So I was out with guys and it was a mess. I tell people I was living life in the fast lane. The, the Eagles song reminded me of my life is life in the fast lane. And that's how I lived my life. But all through that time, there were times in the hospital, hospital stays after I got sick and got home. When you're paralyzed, you deal with bladder infections. Your skin, you can't feel your skin. You end up with pressure sores. I just got over one the size of a baseball. I ended up in a nursing home. I was in Hopkins a surgery for nine hours, and I ended up with this huge wound that I couldn't feel. Ended up in a nursing home this past summer. I spent my time in a nursing home. Incredible, incredible experience. I was able to share there with people, but boy, just a dark time in my life. But, um, but, um, but one night, I, I was just a broken man. I'd been in and out of the hospital. I'd been to Hopkins. I'd been to Hagerstown. I was having nerve problems in my neck and, and blocking, and I was going numb in my left arm, and I had to have surgery after surgery, and I'd, and a friend of mine had just came to know the Lord, and he told me, Brett, you need to give your life to the Lord. And I had aunts, my mom's sisters, they were always preaching to me and telling me, Brett, you need the Lord. And one night watching an old-time preacher on TV, he spoke to me. As a matter of fact, I thought that night that he, he was only speaking to me. I laid in a bed, in a hospital bed, and I said the sinner's prayer. And I said, Lord, I don't understand you. I don't know you. I don't read the Bible. I hardly ever, hardly didn't go to church much. But if you're real, come into my life and change my life. 
Now, I thought at that time this meant I was going to be a religious person. I thought, Lord, I can't drink, I can't chew, I can't smoke, I can't run around. What in the world am I going to do for the rest of my life? That's how, that's how I literally stepped out in faith, not knowing this new life that God was going to provide for me. My reason for receiving Christ was I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. I thought that was a wise decision. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I thought that. But, uh, but so that night, you know, I received Christ. And, uh, man, I couldn't wait for the doors of the church to open up. Could not wait. I was sometimes the first one in the parking lot. I'm not kidding. I just couldn't wait to get in there. I would pick this Bible up, and I looked like Pac-Man. I told the guys in the back earlier, just going, I mean, I was eating that word. I was and getting Christian music and and getting turned on to Christian music. And, oh, my gosh, it was truly amazing how God can take a man and, and one night receive Christ. And this new creature comes out and... And gets, you know, I wasn't filled, I didn't feel the power of the Holy Spirit that night. I kept waiting for a lightning to strike or some reason that I knew I was saved. But it was about a week later, my neighbor came over and he said, you want a beer? And I said, I thought to myself, am I going to tell him that I don't drink now? Or am I going to tell him really why I don't drink? He said, I said, Dale, let me tell you something. About a week ago, I gave my life to Christ. And I surrendered to him. And I said, um, I don't want a beer. Thank you. At that moment, the Holy Spirit filled me. When I spoke those words to him, I was empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to do a song for you that I love. I was driving down the road one day in my van, listening to Christian radio. And I heard a pastor on there. That wrote this song. His name's Dale Way. If you ever heard of Dale Way at Texas, down in Texas, he's a pastor. He wrote a song entitled "The Old Man Is Dead." I don't know if you've ever had a song when it's played move you so much, but this song moved me. That I had to pull off the side of the road in tears. This is the story of my life and coming to Christ. It's called "The Old Man Is Dead." Now and then, old friend of mine, I've not seen for some time. We'll stop by and ask me, where have I been? What's on my mind? They wonder why I'm not drinking. Still painting that old town red. Tell them I'm serving Jesus now. Now the old man is dead. And the man you see before you may look a lot the I may wear the same 
that same old name. You're looking on the outside. You could see inside instead. You would see a brand new man. Cause the old man is dead. I used to live such a wicked life, had no hope inside. I was lost in the darkness, kept searching for the light. In one night in a little church, after hearing what the preacher said, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Now the old man, he's dead. And the man you see before you may look alive. You're looking on the outside You could see inside instead You would see a brand new man The old man is dead And the man you see before you You're looking on the outside You could see inside instead You would see a brand new man Cause the old man is dead You know the Bible says Therefore, any man be in Christ He's a new creature. Old things pass away. And behold, all things are new. Yes, the old man is dead. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I want to say, people ask me all the time, how do you know you got saved that night? I look them dead in the eye, and I say, because I was there the night that it happened. <laughs> I didn't get recycled. I got reborn. I didn't get regenerated. I've been redeemed. Amen.
man, there is nothing like being redeemed and born again and getting an opportunity that God has given me since I was, uh, since my early 20s when I got saved. I got the opportunity of Faith Baptist Church is where I started going to church. Got to work with the youth in the youth program. They came to me and they said, Brett, we want you to be the youth administrator. I said, you want me to be what? The youth administrator? Well, I had to go home, look up the word administration just so I would understand what my role is going to be. And I uh, had a wonderful time, about seven or eight years of my life with the youth. And actually, David Jordan uh, was one of my youth uh and, and uh, I pulled him aside one time when he was in about 11th grade, and I collared him. He was goofing off a lot, you know, and I collared him. I said, David, you could have a great influence on these young people. I said, it's one thing for us to be leaders, but you could be a leader in this group. And he told me recently when I saw him here at the church that he hadn't forgotten that. And, um, but he's a, and I've, seen, I've seen so much in that young man when he was in the 8th grade. I could see how God was going to use him. Now he's a pastor over in Hamilton, praise God. I got to be a deacon also in the church. And I remember one night going to a hospital, a man's father had died. And I told my wife, I said, I I got this fear of death. And I said, I'm not going to go in the room, but I'm going to go over there in the hallway and be with him. I need to be there. I got to the hospital. You know how God works. Man's going. I was like, I'll stay here in the hallway. That's okay. So finally I went in there, went into the room. His father's laying there dead. And he cried and I cried with him. One of the most incredible experiences of my life. I've sang in a gospel band for the last 15 years. And just wonderful times. Sometimes singing in churches, sometimes going to people's homes that were sick. and, And encouraging them. And singing, um, I've I really have hit the ground running since I got saved. I I, I want to be transparent and tell you that I've struggled with sin in my life. I don't want. Sometimes when I hear speakers speak, I think, "Wow, I could never be like that person." Well, I struggle with sin just like you do, and I I can't begin to tell you how many dark times I've had in my life. The things that I've had to overcome through Christ that I plead and begged with God, cried myself to sleep, laying in a hospital. I've had 20 major surgeries since I was 19 years old. I've had 50 minor surgeries since, since my accident. It has been some dark, dark times. But by the grace of God, I'm alive and well today. I want to share with you my favorite scripture. It comes from 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 17, and 18. I've memorized this one. It says, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Do not fix your eyes on the things that are seen. These things are temporary. But fix your eyes on the things that are unseen. They will last forever. God says, Brett, don't lose heart. I know you're in a hospital. I know you're sick. But don't lose heart. And I say, though outwardly I'm wasting away. Now I seem to be wasting away a little quicker than most of you in here. But inwardly, 
being renewed day by day. I always tell people the miracle in my life, it's, it's not the outside. I lost my legs about uh, uh, 12 years ago. I kept having problems with infections, and I finally had to tell the doctor, just remove my legs. And, um, um, but it's not the outward appearance, but it's what Jesus has done in here. To allow me to come up here and speak. You know, in my weakness, God has made me strong. And I, everywhere I go, I really try to share that with people. That though I'm weak, I am so weak. Man, I am so weak. But God's been made strong in me. I want to close with this. Um, people are always asking me, Brett, the people that know me well and seen all the surgeries I've been through, and I had nine-hour surgery in May, May at Hopkins. How in the world do you deal with this? How do you deal with it? How all these infect I've had hundreds and hundreds of infections. I've almost died three times. I've went to septus three times in my life. How how did you deal with that? Well, I describe it in a football. Now, how many likes to play football or likes to watch a game of football or play? That's most of us here. Okay. Well, you know what the amazing thing about a football to me is? Is when we watch those NFL games, those guys now are up to 350, 400 pounds, it seems like, they play on the line. Can do the 100-yard dash pretty quickly, too. But when they land on that football, three or four men land on that football, that, let's say 1,000 pounds lands on that football. How many has ever, when they got up off the field, how many has ever seen that football flat laying on the ground? Never, right? I mean, it's amazing. How does that football hold up? To all that punishment it takes. Well, someone once told me, Brett, that's physics. That the pressure is greater in the football than the pressure on the outside. I was like, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. So how have I been able to do it? Because greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. That's how I've been able to do it. I didn't do it by mustering myself up or that I'm this incredibly strong man with a strong mind. And, and, and no, if you don't believe me, ask my wife. No, don't ask my wife. That might be, be a good thing. But, but greater is he that lives in me and greater is he that lives in you today that lives in the world. I challenge you today. I've noticed I'm the only one that came in here in a wheelchair that didn't have a set of legs. I pray, my prayer is, before I came, what I've been praying about is, that this year you use those two legs. Young people, listen to me. You can have an influence in your schools. Your school is not going to notice another young man, young boy, that's out of line in school. They're not going to notice that. There's plenty of those. But you can have an influence in your school being a Christian. I wish when I was in school, I would have known someone who was a Christian who could have guided me in a better direction than I chose. I chose the wrong road. But you have an opportunity to make a difference in your schools. But I challenge you this year, those two legs that you got that worked so well that I would give anything for, almost anything. I challenge you in 2014, use those legs for Christ. 
Um, I just want to say in closing, thank you all so much for having me today. It's been a real pleasure. And I'd just like to close in a word of prayer if I could. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, it's a privilege to be here today and speak. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit fall in this place. That we would leave here today changed in better, better condition, Lord. With better minds and hearts to realize there's a lost world out there that needs you, Father. Lord, as Tom had shared with me so much in Revelation in classes, Lord, there's coming a day when it's really going to matter most of all. That on one side it's going to be the goats and one side be the sheep. God, I pray us as sheep, Father, would want to go out there and talk to goats, Father, so they could become sheep, Father. Lord, we praise you and we thank you, Father, for this day that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brad. Give him a hand. Thank you, Brett. What a good word. Man, I enjoyed your song, too. We're going to get you up here singing more. That's great. Great. What a good testimony, guys. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You know, when you think about how much God loves you and he sent Jesus Christ to die in your place to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself, and that is take care of your sin so that one day you can stand before him just. And I don't think it's a fool that uh, accepts Christ so he doesn't have to go to hell. But there's all kinds of good residuals besides that, isn't there? Yep, all that he does in our lives. Well, get to know Brett more. Brett, thanks for sharing your story with us. We look forward to growing in our fellowship with you and our bro- as a brother in Christ. Thank you for the great example. Thank you for the great encouragement that you are to, to us here, the men at Fellowship Bible Church. God bless you.